Morning. Today we have the story of Jesus appearing to the disciples in Galilee. This is the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples as a group. We have to make sure we understand that correctly. It's not his third appearance after his resurrection, but his the third time he appears to the disciples as a group. We have some other appearances, of course, like he appeared to just Peter, he appeared to the Emmaus disciples, he appeared to Mary, etc. Uh, but when the gospel says this is the third time he showed himself to the disciples. Now remember, on Easter morning, when he appeared uh, first to the women, while well, the angels uh, speaking to the women, and then Jesus appeared to Mary, both times he told them, go and tell my brethren that I'm going before them to Galilee. There they will meet me. So throughout the resurrection, the Easter morning accounts, we have this constant directive from God that the disciples should go to Galilee. And so they did listen. Apparently it took them a little while because a week after Easter, they're still in Jerusalem in the upper room. And that's where Jesus appeared to Thomas, as we heard about last week. So it took them a little bit, a little while, but they did eventually listen and go to Galilee. And that's what we have before us today, that appearance of Jesus to his disciples, at least one of the appearances to his disciples in Galilee. Law and gospel. Uh, Jesus calls us to follow him and to preach the gospel. He's got work for us to do. We remember earlier in the gospel accounts where Jesus said, look, the, the field is white for harvest. There are souls waiting and ready to hear the, the good news that Jesus is risen from the dead and our sins are forgiven. So Jesus calls us to action. He calls us to the proclamation of the gospel. Nevertheless, we often uh, find ourselves sitting around with nothing to do, uh, kind of waiting for God to do something. And that's kind of what we see in our account this morning. You could start by asking the kids if you want, what do you do when you're waiting, when you're just sitting waiting for somebody and you think you have nothing to do? Do you pull out your homework and start getting it done? Or do you pull out your phone and start playing games? Most of us usually probably pull out our phones and, and start playing games when we're sitting around with nothing to do. The disciples uh, went to Galilee as Jesus directed, but they're not sure what to do now. They're not really sure what's supposed to come next. They're kind of sitting around with nothing to do. And Peter doesn't apparently like sitting around with nothing to do. So he says, you know what? Let's go fishing. That's what we knew how to do before. That's what, we are, that's what we're good at. Most of the disciples were fishermen. Uh, let's uh, get in our boats and go fishing. And the other disciples say, okay, we're going to go with you. Uh, we know Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, uh, and two other disciples were there with Jesus. But of course, they caught nothing, even though they were fishing all night. Jesus then appears to them on the shore. When the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, but they didn't know that it was him. And Jesus said to them, "Do you, children, do you have any food? They said to him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. This reminds us of the first time Jesus called the disciples uh, to follow him. They were again fishing, and again they weren't catching any fish. And again Jesus said, cast your, your nets on the other side of the boat, and immediately they caught huge amounts of fish. And we remember that Jesus followed that up with, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So there's two important lessons here. First of all, it reminds us that without Christ, we're not going to accomplish anything. Uh, based on our own strength, our own understanding, we're going to do nothing. The, the disciples were out all night fishing. They accomplished nothing without Jesus. But with Jesus, the harvest is plentiful. When we follow Christ and trust in his word, uh, the result is 
we do accomplish much, even if we don't see the results of our work. Very often, especially as we preach the gospel, as we share Christ's love with other people, we don't even know what God is working through that word or what God is accomplishing through that word. Very often we don't see that result. But nevertheless, God gives us a promise the ra- the, like the rain comes down from heaven and it, it doesn't go back up to heaven unless it first waters the earth, right? It, it comes and it falls on the ground and makes the ground wet before it evaporates. So shall my word be. It comes and it accomplishes that for which I sent it. So the word has effect. The disciples are fishing all night. They accomplish nothing on their own. As soon as they listen to Christ's word, throw their nets on the side of the boat he tells them to, now their nets are full. Second of all, it's actually the third time Jesus has called some of these disciples to come and follow him. And he doesn't actually say, you know, come and follow me in this in this instance. He doesn't need to say it because it immediately the disciples are brought back to that other time when he the same thing happened. They caught so many fish and Jesus said, come and I will make you fishers of men. And so I'm sure they're thinking it and Jesus doesn't even need to see it. But the implication is there as well. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so he's calling them once again to follow him. And that reminds us as well that Jesus calls us in our life to follow him. But a lot of times, even when we we know the joy of Easter morning, the disciples have, have seen the risen Christ. And yet here they are three weeks or we don't know exactly the time frame, but probably about, about three weeks after his resurrection. They're kind of sitting around twiddling their thumbs, nothing to do. They maybe lost some of that energy of, of Easter morning, but Jesus calls them again to follow him. And in our own lives as well, Jesus call, has Jesus doesn't call us just once, but he calls us again and again through his word and, and re-energizes us uh, through that calling, reminding us uh, of the truth that we were saved through our baptism. Uh, and so Jesus appears to them in this very graphic display of of the calling of the disciples to remind them what it is they're supposed to be doing and what job he has before them for their lives to be fisher, fishers of men. When As soon as they caught the multitude of fish, immediately, even though they didn't know it was Jesus before, they couldn't help but know now that it was Jesus. They, they no doubt remember when the same miracle happened before. Peter immediately says, it is the Lord. And he's so excited, he can't even wait for the boat to paddle to shore. Instead, he jumps off the boat and, and swims to Christ. And that's a very good reaction in many ways. He leaves the fish behind. Here they have this net full of fish. Who cares about the fish? Jesus is here. And we don't need to worry about the fish. He jumps off the boat and leaves the fish behind. Some of the other disciples might be thinking, well, you should help us pull the fish in first. But we remember Jesus's uh, words to Mary and Martha, right? She has chosen the better thing, right? Uh, one of the women was complaining that the other one wasn't helping her do the dishes. And Jesus said, my word is more important. And so Peter, it's more important to get to the Lord than to, to care about the net full of fishes. But the other disciples follow in the boat uh, with the fish. And as soon as they get to land, they find that Jesus already has breakfast laid out for them. The coals are burning. There's already fish on the fire. There's bread. But Jesus invites them to bring some of the fish that they have caught and, and cook that as well. And they come and eat breakfast. And they all know uh, that it's the Lord. So you have this general recalling of all the disciples, this very important reminder that Jesus gives them that he does, they are still his apostles. He does still want them to go forth. Some of them might have been wondering if 
they had messed up if you know if they hadn't followed jesus the way they should have uh if jesus maybe wasn't wasn't too keen on them anymore because they didn't stand up for him and so maybe they were feeling guilty about some of the things that happened with regard to the crucifixion and and maybe even their doubt about the resurrection thomas in particular doubting his resurrection uh and so it's possible some of them were uh doubting whether they really should still be apostles maybe jesus is going to choose somebody else more better than us you know we messed up uh, but jesus calls them again and reassures them that he had chosen them and that this is the job he wants them to do but now we get to the part where jesus speaks specifically to peter so all of the disciples may have been having doubts or worries but peter of course had that problem where he denied jesus three times and so he's going to need special reassurance and that's what jesus is going to do here he's kind of recalling all the disciples ensuring them of his love but now he's going to deal specifically with peter so when they had eaten breakfast jesus said to simon peter simon son of jonah do you love me more than these he said to him yes lord you know that i love you he said to him, feed my lambs. This is going back, of course, to and reminding Peter of his denial. Three times Peter denied Jesus. Three times Jesus is going to ask Peter to confirm uh, that his love and his willingness to follow Peter. But there's some interesting interplay here that you don't get in the English. You, you really have to look at the Greek. Uh, some of it you do see. So, for example, this first time that Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? He adds more than these. And of course, that was Peter's boast back during the, the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus warned the disciples that you will all flee, you will all betray me. And Peter stood up and said, no way. Everyone else might do it, but I won't. And with that boast, he was really claiming to love Jesus more than any of the other disciples. And so Jesus kind of repeats that boast back to Peter. Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter, humbled, responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I love you more than these. He kind of ignores that part of Jesus's question um, because he's not going to make that same mistake of that same arrogance as well. But at the same time, he does confirm and confess the truth that he does love Jesus. So he, he kind of answers in a different way than what Jesus asks. And it's really a very faithful thing for Peter to do because he answers that he answers with that confession of faith but also in that humility while I'm not going to try and compare myself to others which he did do before I'm not going to worry about whether I love you more than these others I'm not going to try and brag and boast about what I'm doing better than others I'm only going to worry about my confession for you and so Lord yes you know that I love you and so Jesus says okay feed my lambs and so you see the two things that are so important for service to the Lord right the first is that love of the Lord that faith I, I believe that confession I believe that Jesus Christ true true God born of the Virgin Mary is my Lord right there's that confession that that love of Christ that's that has to be there before we can serve God faithfully and then second also that humility that recognizes our own sinfulness and both are apparent there in Peter's response verse 16 he said to him again a second time Simon son of Jonah do you love me he said to him yes Lord you know that I love you he said to him tend my sheep so now Jesus has kind of come down one rung of the ladder you might say before he says do you love me more than these and Peter doesn't respond, yes, I love you more. He simply responds, yes, I love you, right? And so now uh, Jesus comes down one step. He doesn't say more than these. He just says, do you love me? But he's still kind of at a step higher than what Peter confessed. Uh, because 
In the Greek, in verse 15 and in verse 16, when Jesus says, do you love me? He uses the Greek word agape. Do you agapao love me? Uh, and that Greek word agape really means the transcendent, truest, best form of love. It's it's kind of the ideal that no man can reach to, but but which the love that God shows to us. And so here in verse 15, even though he, or sorry, in verse 16, even though he doesn't say more than these, that he said in verse 15, he still uses that agape form of love, agapao. Do you love me perfectly? You might want to translate it. And both in verse 15 and in 16, Peter responds with a different word. Uh, again, there's that humility. He's not going to try and claim perfect love of Christ. And so he doesn't use that agape term, but he uses the term phileo, which is a, a brotherly love. It's not it's not necessarily a, a worse kind of love, uh, but it's kind of focused on a different thing. And, and so there is a recognition there that of Peter responding and saying, I don't love you the way that you love me. I'm not that good, but I do love you. And uh, that, that comes across then again in verse 16. So Jesus has come down one rung, and now in verse 17, he comes down one more. He said in the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And this time Jesus asks the question with that same verb that Peter uses, phileo. Do you even phileo love me, Peter? Uh, and this is why Peter is a little grieved. He's a little upset first because Jesus has said it three times, but also now because Jesus is using the same word that Peter has already confessed twice. Do you phileo love me? And Jesus says, do you, e do you even phileo love me? But again, Peter responds in faith because Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so he calls on Christ to confirm, to, to use his Godhead. Like he, It's almost as if he's challenging God. Like, I think I do. I, every, everything I see, I, I believe it. I believe it, dude. Do, do you see something in me? Are you seeing something in me that would contradict that? And Jesus responds, feed my sheep. And so he assures and reassures Peter in this manner that his sin is forgiven uh, and that he does still want him to be an apostle and to go out and do the work of feeding his lambs and feeding his sheep, uh, teaching his people the word of God. But Jesus is not done. Verse 18 and 19, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus continues now to reveal to Peter what it means, what it's going to mean for his life to love Christ and to follow him. It's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to be roses and candy, right? Uh, you are going to suffer. And in fact, you are going to be crucified. Church... Uh, mythology tells us that that peter was martyred in 68 a.d uh, in fact the story is that he was crucified upside down because he said that he didn't he wasn't worthy to die in the same manner of, of jesus and so the the romans actually crucified him upside down with his his feet up and his, his head down but anyway he was almost certainly uh crucified whether the upside down thing was was right or not um 
you know, that's the legend anyway. And you see that in Jesus' response here. You will, uh, you will stretch out your hands. Another will carry you where you do not wish, namely uh, carry you to crucifixion and to death. And so the road of following Christ is not going to be easy. And the road of following Christ is picking up our cross and following him, accepting the suffering of this world, letting go of the things of this world, uh, allowing God's will to be done to us, even when it's something that we don't understand or we might not think is the greatest thing. I, really, I have to die. I have to be crucified to follow you. But that's what it means to love the Lord. Love is not just this emotion, this feeling, the way that movies portray it so much. Love is action. Love is put your money where your mouth is, right? And don't just say that you love Jesus, but show it in your actions. Uh, and so this call to love Christ is uh, a call to love him with our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. And Deuteronomy reminds us, we shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Not just with what you think or feel, but with your might, with your hands, with your actions as well. Uh, that's real love, love that results in the way we act and talk to one another. And so Jesus reveals to Peter, you love me, you want to follow me, this is what it's going to mean for your life. And of course, we often don't carry through as well as we should, but here we have the resurrected Christ reminding us of the forgiveness that is ours, even when we fail to love him the way that we ought to. That's the whole reason why he died for us. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson this week. Uh, as always, give me a call or email if you have any questions.